Welcome to Ella Go. My name is Lisa, and this is not just a podcast about running. This is a podcast to empower women through fitness and health and everything in between. Because let's be honest, ladies, this journey could suck if we don't get our shit together. Okay, welcome back, everyone. Today, my guest is Kim. She is a runner and a behavioral clinical pharmacist. But there's way more to Kim that you will soon discover on this podcast. So welcome, Kim, to the show. Thank you. Thank you. So, Kim, before we begin, I want to read to the audience a post that you wrote, I believe, was on April 25th. And this was the post that really got me to you because I read it and I'm like, what? But then (laughs) for everyone who's listening, after you listen to this, what I'm about to say, then I met Kim and then she blew me away again. So, (laughs) so we'll, we'll get to all of that. So let me read to you all this post that she posted on Facebook. Okay. So she wrote, 2015 is when I decided to run a marathon. The catalyst for this was when I nearly died from life-threatening hyponatremia. I had a blood sodium level of 106 that subsequently caused two grand mal seizures and need for intubation. I survived this horrific and traumatic event and came out of it with appreciation and gratitude for my body. This propelled me to run a marathon to celebrate the gift of life and my body. Like most runners, I became obsessed and set an ambitious goal of Boston qualifying. I was able to obtain this goal. So last week, I ran the Boston Marathon. I cannot believe how far I've come. I fought so many battles to get my hands on this medal. Many of these battles could have ended it for me, but I still stand. I have lupus, bipolar disorder, generalized anxiety disorder, OCD, alcohol abuse, now sober, and bulimia, behavior free. I do not let these hold me back. These make me stronger and a better runner. You can be a runner even if you struggle with mental and or physical illness. Let me be proof of this. If I can, you can. Kim, I'm getting like, as I'm reading it, I even get the, the you know, chills from reading this mm-hmm. about you. So let's talk a little bit about this post. Uh, When you wrote it, and we'll get deeper into it, did you get any feedback? Like, were you surprised? I mean, what were your thoughts on that? Well, I I was pretty shocked with the outpouring of, like, love and just, like, people saying, oh, you're, you're so brave, you're so strong, and you're so courageous for sharing your story. And I just think that's really interesting. And a lot of it comes from sharing like my mental health struggles, which I know when we we met initially, I kind of shared some of those and we'll obviously probably talk about some of those today, but just that people think, you know, that I'm a warrior and that I'm extremely courageous. And like, I don't really see myself that way. I just more see myself as a person sharing my story. So I was really overwhelmed with like the outpouring by it because I wasn't, I wasn't expecting anything like that at all. <laughs> I was just, I was just trying to share it to show people that if I can do it, 
you know, you can do it too. Which is amazing to me because I think, you know, when you see a post like this and I'm thinking to myself, okay, this girl's a badass. She's badass. <laughs> and she's, I don't know if she's going to want to talk to me when I spoke to you and now even speaking to you now, you have such a beautiful spirit and a soul and so humble <laughs> and open and authentic. And of course, those are all the things that we like to have on the Elago podcast. When exactly, it, I mean, it, was it truly, you know, at, at, at that moment when you decided to run a, a marathon, you said 2015, is that really when it started? Uh, is that the first time you started running or is that goes way back? Well, so I, I should preface it by saying that I was like very much like I was running, but I wasn't like a runner runner, if that makes sense. Like I've, I made mistakes like prior to being hospitalized and deciding to do a marathon. Like I think I trained for my half marathon by running seven miles a day on the treadmill, which is this really stupid. <laughs> like, first of all, you shouldn't do that many miles on the treadmill, but it's like really dumb, like super stupid. Um, I don't know how I didn't get hurt, but um, anyway, so I was like taking really good care of myself for the most part. Um, I've, I've struggled with like mental health stuff since I was 18, but at that time I was in residency. I was getting, um, I was in a second year residency for mental health. Um, and that's my specialty, obviously. Um, so after I was hospitalized, I, once I got stable, I by stable, I mean, physically stable mentally, I was pretty scared. Like I was terrified because it's very terrifying for you to wake up getting a tube taken out of your mouth and you're like, holy shit, what happened? You know? And the first question I asked was, did I miss my wedding? Cause I don't know. I don't think I said this in the post, but it was actually the week of my wedding. Um, my so I, I was hospitalized Sunday, the day before, like Sunday, the week before my marathon, I got discharged on Thursday and married on Sunday. And and my husband literally saved my life. And there's a reason why I didn't tell you this when we first met, but he actually, he ripped, I, I was stuck between the toilet and tub because I started seizing like on the toilet and he ripped the toilet out <laughs> and he saved my life because I was almost going to like bite through my mouth and, you know, I was seizing or whatever. Um, so it's like really emotional to think about it, but yeah. So he saved my life and I just like was really overwhelmed with everything that happened because like he saved my life. We got married. I took a vow. Like he already showed his vow to me, you know? So I just was like overwhelmed with everything and running. I started running again and it kind of became an outlet for me for all that trauma. Like, you know, just get it out, you know, kind of take, take it on my body, get it out and out. And that's when I'm like, you know what? My body literally came back from the brink of death. Why don't, why don't we try to really see what it can do? And that's, that's when I kind of switched into the mindset of like, Hey, I'm going to run a marathon. And I ran, I ran a marathon. It wasn't a year to, to the exact date, but it was like a year and 10 days. So close enough. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Still amazing. Okay. In regards to running, when you first started running, I mean, were you always a runner? Were you running in school? I mean, how did that all come about? Uh, no, uh, I, uh, at the age of three, I was put into gymnastics 
I'm sure some other ladies can uh, understand that. But I, I was climbing trees at the age of three and my mom wanted me to learn how to fall. So she put me in gymnastics. So I actually was a gymnast for pretty much my entire childhood up until the age of 14. And I hurt my back. So I had to stop doing gymnastics. And I, I went into track. I did not do long distance. I was a sprinter, a jumper. And I know you can't see how tall I am, but I'm, I'm five, five, four. And I was a high jumper, <laughs> which is really funny. Cause like I was the smallest person there all the time, but, um, I could still jump pretty good. So the running aspect of it, it really wasn't something that I was doing like regularly and then it just became an obsession. Okay. So you, it was just, it kind of came about and now you're, you were obsessed with it. So mm-hmm. when that occurred, when the situation occurred in 2015, were you running, were you already running prior to that? Like doing just regular runs? Um, I, I know they say if you run, you're a runner, but like at the time I was maybe running like a couple miles a week, like barely 10 miles. So like I would do it in like supplements with like hit training and stuff like that. So running wasn't like my life blood like it is now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but- yes. Let's go back to 2015 and that incident that occurred. Um, I'm going to allow you to explain to the listeners what hyponatremia is. What is that? Yeah. So hyponatremia is a fancy way of saying low sodium levels. Uh, if If you are not familiar in our bodies, we have all these different chemicals, one of them, one of the most important ones being sodium and, and also potassium, but uh, sodium, it, the normal range is 135 to 145, 146. There's some, <laughs> some people think 146, it doesn't really matter, but um, my, my sodium was 106 and at 106, anything less than 110 or below you have a 50% chance of death if, if you have that level. And then on top of that, if you have a seizure, which a lot of people do have seizures when it is that low, your risk goes up even more. So I probably had about a 75% chance of dying. Hyponitremia can cause a wide variety of things, but the thing that typically kills a person is the, the seizures and just what it can do to your heart. How does it happen, though? Because I, I was thinking, is this when you like overly dilute of like what, what? How does that occur? There's lots of different reasons. Like you said, drinking too much fluid. There's different being a pharmacist. There's different drugs that, that we take that can do it, um, especially like abusing um, diuretics or diet pills or things like that. But in my instance, at the time, they didn't know what caused it. Like they don't know how I got so severely depleted at the time. And they were blaming it on like my anxiety, which doesn't make any sense. Like, yes, anxiety can really stress you out and cause things to happen in your body, but it shouldn't make this severity of it happen. And I wasn't on any drugs, but like flash forward three to five years, I can't remember exactly. I was later diagnosed with lupus. So they think maybe it was related to that, but it was just too early in the disease for it to like actually show up in, in blood work for me. Yeah. And those pictures that you posted on Facebook, were there? was that when you were at the hospital for that situation? Yes. Yep. Yeah, it was. Yep. 
It's an eye opener. I was intubated for two and a half days. Yeah. Wow. Let's talk about you being open with your, your mental health because, Kim, let's be honest here, okay? Not everybody's open about it, all right? But you, true. you are. I mean, you are so honest and authentic about it. Were you always like that? And if not, what made you be open about it? No, I, I, to answer your first question, I was definitely not always like that. I, I was, I had a lot of shame associated with it or shame that I had something wrong with me or that I was doing something wrong because like growing up, oftentimes you just got to be happy or, you know, don't worry about it. Or even like, I'm sure people listening to this have experienced this, like you open up to someone that you have anxiety or depression, you're like, oh, just, just read this book. It will make everything better and blah, blah, blah. And it's not that way. So as I kind of went through all of my struggles and as I was doing my, my studies and just training, I realized like every, most people that have a mental health disorder will not be open about it for fear of shame or fear of something that is wrong with them. And, and one in four people have a mental health disorder. So it's very common, like, Mm. but it's not known, like people just don't talk about it. So I realized like, Hey, maybe I could use my story as a voice to help break down this, this stigma that is so much associated with, with mental health. And, and I, it took me a long time to get to that point. There was a lot of like kind of lashing out when I started opening up about it. Cause some people were like, Oh, you're just doing it for attention. And it's like, okay, whatever. You wouldn't say that if someone was like, Hey, I have diabetes, you wouldn't say they're looking for attention. Um, so it definitely was a a learning process, but I've met some of my like closest friends by being open about just the demons that can be in my brain sometimes. Yeah. Okay. So with that being said, and I love that you said the demons, because that's often how I call what I call them. How does running help you with your mental health? Yeah, well, I think a lot of people, it helps them. And there's like an actual physical thing that happens when you run, as you probably know, um, it, it releases dopamine, serotonin, which are all like chemicals in your body that make you feel good. And I forgot adrenaline in there. But um, so there's like a, a natural process that it actually helps. Like it's a free antidepressant. I mean, if you discount the shoes and all the stuff that you have to buy to run, but you know, it's, it's pretty much free for the most part, but running for me is like an escape from reality. I know a lot of people meditate, but for me, running is meditative because I get to a point when you, and I'm sure maybe you've experienced this. Most people have that run. You just get to that like pace where like everything clicks like a meditative time and it's also like a time for me to like come down yeah I, yeah I can totally resonate with all of that um so let me talk to you about Boston okay so let's yeah. give the listeners a time frame here so 2015 between 2015 that's when you decided to run the marathon okay mm-hmm. and I don't I think you may have said this already but between 2015 and when you did Boston this year were there like a lot of marathons in between? Uh, I did, I think, seven, seven or eight, seven or eight in between there. Okay. And then I did some like, I did some 
pretty ridiculous challenges in there as well. I don't know if you've ever heard of the Dopey Challenge, but I, I've done that, the David Goggins Challenge, things like that. But yeah, it took, it, it, I qualified um, in 2020. Surprisingly, I, there was a marathon that was still going on in 2020 that I ran that I qualified. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> I'm just thinking about that now. I'm like, oh yeah, that was, I don't know how I found that marathon, but it, it was in 2020 that I qualified. So, so yeah. <laughs> Kim, I'm getting the sense that because you had a life-threatening yeah. situation, mm-hmm. do you think that from that event that occurred, it gave you this, like, you know what, it's either do or die uh, feeling, you know, is that what gave you this, you know, I'm going to do what I want to do, and I'm going to live it up? I mean, is that where it came from? A lot of it, I would say yes. But a a lot of it, it just showed me like how short life is. It's like, I don't want to look back and think I could have done that, you know, so I, I just realized how short life was. And then with all the shit that I've gone through like these these last two years I have been in a depressive episode I had to take like a almost a year off of work switch jobs because I was just I was depressed I was suicidal I was in the hospital like all of this stuff and and going through all of this I've just realized like you can't let that shit hold you back because otherwise you're just going to be stagnant and stuck in place so that coupled with my Um, experience in 2015 has just shown me like, you know, people are trying to fight me back. Something is going on trying to hold me back and not do things, but I just, I just have to be that much stronger. So like through all of that, I just have so much mental strength. And, and I don't think if I didn't have 2015 happen, I don't know if I would have survived the suicidal stuff. Like I, I, I honestly don't think because I, I was still able to hold on to that hope because I'm like, okay, I've, I've gotten through that before I can get through this. So uh, it's kind of a mix of a mix of things, I guess. I, I can't give you a definitive yes or no, but it, it, it's a mix of things. Okay. So let me ask you this being where you were in 2015 mm-hmm. and going through the things that you go through, what can you tell them that will help them through their struggle? Yeah, I mean, I think this can apply to any anything that you're facing. Um, just know, even though you feel like you're alone, that you're not, especially in the mental health world. Like, just remind yourself, one in four people go through this. One in four people go through this and realize that there's people out there that, that got through this. There's people out there that want you to be alive, whether it's friends that are your family or your family, your spouse, your kids, your dog, your cat, your fish. Someone wants you to be on this this planet for a reason. And I think if you just hold on to that and and try to get through it for other people, I think sometimes that's easier than saying, I want to do this for me. Because in those dark moments, sometimes it's like you don't feel like you're worthy of, of getting better or, or getting through that dark moment. So like I just tethered on to like, okay, I need to do this for my niece and nephew, for my husband, for, you know, my parents, my siblings and stuff like that. And that's really what kept me tethered to, you know, earth for a metaphorical picture there. But that that's what got me through. So just try to remind yourself of the people that have been through it. And I know it's not, not every situation is the same, but just know that other people have gotten through it. So you can, you can too. Yeah. 
Well, you're proof of that for sure. <laughs> um, all right. So what about your aspirations with running? You just did Boston. Uh, yeah. What's next? What's next, Kim? Oh, man. Um, I am thinking, well, I'm not thinking. I'm going to do an ultra marathon at some point in time, which, which if people don't know what that is, it's anything over a marathon. So like you could run 26.3 and it'd be considered an ultra marathon, but I I'm, have my eyes set on either an ultra this year, or there's this other really, I, I like to do challenges. And there's one where you do three marathons in three days in like Tahoe. So I, I'm just, I'm wanting to do something a little bit wild. I'm sick of the, I'm sick of the marathon distance because there's so much like pressure. Well, it's probably my own pressure, but there's a lot of pressure about like time and, you know, you need to run this fast and you got a bus to qualify. And I'm like, I just want to do something that's like, Hey, you just need to run this far. And if you run that far, it's a really big deal. Yeah. <laughs> Not that like running a marathon isn't, but for me, like I on 10 marathons now. So like, I think I'm just like ready to, to dapple into the, the ultra world, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see which one I decide to do. I don't know. <laughs> Well, you know, I will say it's kind of funny you said that because I was spoke, speaking to another woman who that's all she does mm -hmm. is ultra marathons. And she said it's uh -huh. a whole nother level of people. It's not the marathoners who, like you just said, no. being doing the tr uh, the pressure of the, the speed and the time. It's just like, hey, we got 30 freaking miles to do. OK, I might I, be one and done, but I, I wouldn't I guess I'm not going to hold my breath. <laughs> Yeah, I don't see you being that, done. So. That's for sure. Okay. We got two more questions here, Kim. What's yeah. one piece of advice you'd give to a woman starting her running journey? The best in advice that I, I would definitely, well, there's two pieces to it, but to not uh, like compare yourself to other people. Like with the in the era of social media, you can like look at someone and be like, oh, she's way faster than me. And it's because she's smaller than me. Like, you know, I need to lose weight to be faster. So that's kind of like the second part of it. Like, don't compare yourself one to other runners, but don't, don't let people trick you that you need to be smaller in order to be a runner, first of all, but also to get faster. Because a lot of people that I know are like, well, I'm, I'm not a runner. Cause I don't look like a runner. There's not a look to a runner. There's, there's women that are bigger than me, women that are smaller, women, women that are the same size, and you're still a runner. If you literally run, you're a runner. <laughs> so I guess to try not to get into that comparison trap, because it can be, it can be really bad and, and it will hold you back from getting those goals. If you're always comparing. Now, if you could sum up in one word, Kim, one word what running does for you what would that be well there's two well <laughs> joy it, i was gonna say gives joy like it, it so just joy i would say because it what what i love about running and i think a lot of people can identify with this is i i feel like a little kid again when i run like you get to a point where you're just like kind of whether you're frolicking in the <laughs> grass or, or, you know, running in the rain and that, well, for me running in blizzards and snow, cause I'm in Minnesota, but it, it just brings me so much joy. And like next weekend, my, my niece, she's nine, I think eight or nine, she's running a mile race. 
guests and I get to watch her. And I'm just so excited to like see that joy in her. And she gets, she loves to watch me too. And I'm running like the half marathon the next day. So it just, I don't know. There's something about the feeling of running and you can really see that if you watch like little kids and that's how I feel. Mm. So I, I, I had like three words. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. It gave me a visual and I can totally, it's you're, it, it really gives, it gave me a visual free and frolicking and all mm-hmm. of that. So you definitely gave, gave the listeners this visual of what, you know, it does for you and, and it may do for other people. So with that being said, okay, Kim, I brought you on here because of course it's, you know, May is Mental Health Awareness Month. And of yeah. course, the minute I spoke to you and you started talking so openly about it, I was like, okay, we, we got to close the month strong. And, you know, <laughs> there, I want people to see you, know what you're doing and feel not alone that look what she's doing look what she's able to do she's capable of doing all these amazing things and she may have the same things that you might be struggling with Mm -hmm. or not but at the end of the day you are not alone you are not alone there are people that are out there struggling just like you are it's not a life is not linear and even i mean kim just even said you know i I had a little setback and how open she was with it and what it takes for her to get through that. So that was the most important thing I wanted uh, for the listeners to hear having you on Kim. But when we think about mental health awareness month, what are some of the things that you hope that your mission, if you have one for being open, what do you mm-hmm. hope that people get from it? Well, I want people to realize that, Mental health disorders are like any physical health disorder, diabetes, hypertension, heart attack. People don't think twice about getting help for that. So if you're having a heart attack, you immediately go to the emergency room, right? You're not like, oh, I better, I better sit and meditate or I I better, you know, (laughs) go for a walk or something, you know, not that those don't help with mental health, but just to realize that they are the same thing. And they should be treated as such. Uh, You should not feel like a failure if you do not, if you can't manage your anxiety without medicine, if you can't get out of bed without needing an antidepressant or needing to see a therapist. There is nothing wrong with having to take medication, especially medication, because I see this all the time that people are like, well, I'm weak if I need a medication. If you have a mental health disorder, there is literally a chemical imbalance in your brain. So the medicine fixes that just like if you have an infection and you take an antibiotic, it helps fix it. So really that is what I would love everyone to know. In addition to that, just that everyone, or you've probably come across someone that has a mental health disorder and they're fighting in silence because they're afraid to open up because of the stigma. And I guarantee you that there are many people that you interact with every single day that have one CEOs, your boss, your doctor, even, or, you know, your teacher or stuff like that, that probably struggle in silence. And it shouldn't be that way. It shouldn't be that way. Um, because it doesn't make any sense to me. So bottom line is, I think just that mental health disorder should be treated just like physical health disorders. Yeah, I completely agree with yeah. you. And the 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 
thing is, is that there's not one, you can never say, well, this is what one person looks like with mental health disorder. As you just said, I mean, it could be a CEO, it could be anybody. <laughs> it could be, it doesn't discriminate. Okay. So yep. where can we find you? Where can the listeners find you? Um, I pretty much just do Instagram and <laughs> my, my username is PharmD, which is my doctorate in pharmacy, but PharmD positive. So I'm a mental health pharmacist. So that's where the username comes from. So mainly Instagram, uh, that's, I share, I mean, I shared through my depressive episode. I, I, I share everything on there. Um, I, the good, the bad, the ugly, and I'm very honest on there about stuff. So if you would like to follow me, that's where I, where I hang out. <laughs> well, we'll have all of that in the show notes. Kim, thank you so much for being a part of this. I am so <laughs> grateful to have you here in this space. And I'm hoping that the listeners hear the message loud and clear that if, you know, definitely if you can do it, mm -hmm. they can do it as well. So thank you so Absolutely. much. Absolutely. You're welcome. <laughs> and until next time, everyone. Bye.